This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Perception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception. The show. All right. Um, peek behind the curtain here, uh, Matt Harmon. Uh, we were supposed to talk about top wide receivers today, but my God, the coaching carousel does not stop, man. It's been crazy. Uh, and as we record here on a Wednesday afternoon, um, again, man, just an absolute bombshell. Adam Schefter reporting that uh, the Seattle Seahawks are moving on from Pete Carroll. And, uh, and I was just like jacked to talk to you about what this means for Seattle. Because, man, it was an absolute shocker. I I could not believe of all the coaches um, out there, I thought Pete Carroll, again, just one of the more more secure ones in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I I definitely text you. He's like, I think we got to just scrap the plan uh, because there's, (laughs) you know, it's been a crazy Wednesday where, you know, the the bear stuff is a whole different topic. It's it's gotten weird. You know, Andy Barons warned me on the Yahoo show that, that the bear stuff has gotten pretty toxic in terms uh-huh. of like what people want to do with the organization. And I was like, <laughs> oh, how can I don't understand how that could be toxic? And then oh, buddy, it it actually has been pretty toxic discourse if you if you pay attention to it. But that so that that was this morning, and even that like the, them announcing that they were making changes on the offensive staff, but, but keeping Eberflus, Eber that was getting right. people fired up. And then we have sure. the Pete Carroll thing, which is just like. I mean, 14 years with Pete Carroll is the Seattle Seahawks. And um, another one of my Yahoo colleagues, actually, Charles McDonald, posted uh, that he almost felt kind of sad, like some sadness reading this. And I was like, I replied, I was like, yeah, I I almost kind of feel the same way, man, because um, like Pete Carroll is just so synonymous with um, like he intersects perfectly with like his time in Seattle, intersects perfectly with like right before I got kind of started doing like covering the NFL, like you're trying to get into business doing freelance stuff. So really like 
I don't want to say like my formative years, but like my formative years is like a quote professional, right? Yeah. Like, um, oh yeah. The, them beating this, beating the Broncos, beating the brakes off the Broncos in that Super yeah. Bowl. That was really their year again, right before I kind of started like g- getting into this stuff like professionally. So I don't know. It just it, it was like wow. It just wouldn't. And you even forget like before the Legion of Boom, which was so iconic and all that stuff. Like there was the Charlie Whitehurst and like. Um, <laughs> who Tavares Tavares Jackson rest in peace by the way Tavares sure. Jackson but like he like it's just been so like he's just been there so long he's such an so long. iconic figure in the NFL and particularly with this franchise that it's almost like crazy to just talk about that he's not going to be the head coach there anymore uh it's it really feels like an end of an era you know um again this like generational type stuff here I mean again we, we talk about Bill Belichick and, and it's funny we talk about Bill Belichick as if that job is officially open and it's yeah. not <laughs> right, but we're but all the tea leaves suggest that Bill Belichick is on his way out of New England. But again, it's just you know, it's these guys, man. You know, it, it's a generational thing. You know, it's like in in basketball, for example. Well, in football, it's a great example. Like you, you know, we saw the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Mannings, you know, the Eli Mannings, all these guys that we kind of grew up watching and. Um, they were heroes to us in our, you know, I, I want to say our formative NFL years, mm. right? Like now they're gone and, and it's like, all right, now you usher in a whole new generation of signal callers. It, it felt like that for, it feels like that right now. Currently, that's what we're going through in terms of the head coaching stuff, you know? And again, I'm not saying these guys are done coaching, but right. the teams that they're tied to they're they're going to be tied together forever to the point that you're making you know so Pete Carroll Bill Belichick this it's just man mind absolutely blown when we talk about Seattle potentially going in a new direction hey let me ask you this and again by the way for for listeners out there um we we haven't talked about this at all because literally this broke like maybe like an hour before we start recording here but um who do you think initiated that conversation because i i swear to god i don't think it was pete pete after that game last week was his normal exuberant self you know what i mean and there was absolutely no inkling that yeah i know he's old (laughs) i get that he's old but he sure as hell sounded like he was just as energetic uh as he was 10 years ago I think his exact quote was something to the effect of, I expect to be back. You know, I expect to be the head coach of this team again in in 2024. I would imagine that it was like a mutual but leans leans the Seahawks decision type of thing. Like um, where... I don't see. I I think Pete Carroll would still like to be the coach of the Seattle Seahawks for maybe like two to three more years. I don't know if Pete, at his age, at this point in his career, wants to go and start over with another team. This strikes me very similar to the Bruce Arians thing a couple of years ago, right? Where um, now that was a little mixed up in the Tom Brady stuff, and like, did Brady only unretire if he said that you know Bruce Arians has to get the hell out of here and go up in the front office or whatever? Um, but I, that's it sounds pretty similar to that right where they're going to keep him around in an advisory role uh but they're going to hire a head coach which i think will in, ultimately inform who becomes the head coach there but that's i, I think it was probably more of a we want to go in another direction but we don't quite want to lose you how can we sort of make this work i guess don't you feel like in tampa bay too with the bruce arian situation um the tom brady thing was obviously mixed in but but 
I thought a big part of it too was that Bruce actually had a succession plan kind of mm-hmm. sort of in place, you know. I don't feel like no, unless yeah. they unless they come out tomorrow and say Shane Waldron's the head coach, which right now there's not really a lot of indication that that's going to be the case. Uh, we're hearing a lot of Dan Quinn rumors or whatever it might be, right? So unless they announce that, I, I, I would be shocked. I don't think that Pete had like a succession plan in place here in Seattle, which makes it even more shocking, you know? Yeah, you're right. There's no clear like um – Bruce Arians wanted uh, Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich to like follow. You know, he'd been grooming these guys, yep. right? Like he was 100%. very big on on the pipeline. He was very big on like increasing, you know, representation, whether it was uh, women or or African American coaches. Like there was a lot of stuff there with 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 him that he was doing that intentionally, being very intentional about that. Yep. I don't know that Pete has done that. Um, this this staff has been plucked pretty recently too, whether it's defensive coaches, Dave Canales, obviously from the quarterback room to right. uh, the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. That is what makes me think that this job has to go, has to go to somebody that has ties to Pete Carroll, whether it is mm. a Dan Quinn, whether it is a Dave Canales. Like I think they have already put that in like thought and play. Now they're obviously going to have competition for these guys, especially Dan Quinn, who's going to, you know, th- I think this is probably finally the year he leaves uh, that he leaves Dallas and and takes a head coaching job. And maybe this is what, like, Dan Quinn could have had a job two years ago. Dan Quinn certainly could have had a job last year, but he's been pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. Maybe, I mean, I'm not saying, like, there's been a backdoor deal in place for a long time here, but, like, maybe there's been a backdoor deal in place for a long time oh, here. Yeah, I he's, like it. He's, I he's, like it. he's continued oh, to push man. these uh, conversations <laughs> off um, or these opportunities off to Ooh. be a head coach. Now Seattle, Conspiracy it opens theory. up. theory. Let's go. The place – yeah, the place where it's all where it all started for Dan <laughs> yeah, Quinn, funny. you know, is the original DC uh, for 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 Pete Carroll there. So I don't and know I, knows, that kind of you know to to your point too. He knows that if Pete Carroll takes this quote unquote advisory role, he'll have a voice in that front office. Like he'll have a friendly yeah. face in, in the administration. If oh yeah, because I mean, even John Schneider, the GM, is still there. Like, right. And and look, Pete has had. A, I would have said like two years ago, Pete Carroll might be one of the most powerful figures in the NFL. Period, mm-hmm. um, because like him and John Schneider work together. There's it's a very cohabitative relationship, very cooperative relationship. Is a very like, I would say, a pretty even kind of split of power between those two guys. And and I think it even leaned more Pete. So in, in a lot of ways, certainly oh, from a yeah. front from a front facing perspective, he's just a well known guy. He's out there. This is just his culture. All this stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, like now that he's going to be more in that front office, t- whatever team advisor. We don't even know. We don't even know what the hell that means. I mean, I know definitely with the Bruce Arians thing. It was like, hey, go, buddy, you go play golf as much as you want, and like come to games and, and just be Bruce Arians. That's fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Just don't do any press conferences. Don't get in the way. <laughs> but that but that's the thing here that I think is is critical. That like if you're going to keep Pete Carroll around, you can't go higher. I don't know some you can't you can't go hire like Mike McDonald from the Ravens or something like ben that Johnson then, or something yeah Ben Johnson even if these guys are hot coordinators like yep that Pete's still gonna cast a very large shadow in that building which is why I think it has to be a guy like a Dan Quinn or even like an older you know candidate like a Lou Anarumo right I think is gonna get a couple looks somewhere right and, and you know maybe it's just uh, again but he doesn't come from that Pete Carroll you know tree 
Right. So no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, am I reading too much into the fact that again, it wasn't a John Schneider statement, but a, a, a Jody Allen statement um, that uh, that they released in regards to the Seahawks? Am I reading too much into that? I mean, I, I know Pete Carroll's this legendary figure, so maybe it's got to come from Jody. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, maybe again, maybe John Schneider's like, um, yeah, we want to keep Pete as head coach, but Jody Allen steps in, and is like, nah, we can't make that. We we can't do that. You know, we we got to move on. We we got to take this in a different direction. I don't know. Uh, I mean, hey, the owners are, are, are taking, taking things into their own hands lately. And oh, I, I think... <laughs> Look I mean, at a Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee you know? same thing. It's, same that was another thing. one where... And I don't know. Oh, I don't man. off the top of my head know like what the reporting structure is because sometimes you get like... I think sometimes you'll have, you know, both, both of them separately report into the owner, right? Which is where, yeah, yeah, the, which yeah. was the case in Tennessee. Like Rand Carthon said, I'm not, I wasn't yeah. even a part of any of the discussions and, and letting go of Mike Vrabel. That was simply a, you know, Amy Adams strunk and, and him and Mike Vrabel had that conversation. I, I think it's probably, I think it's probably how it went down in Seattle too. Again, it's been, they worked together so long, John Schneider um, and Pete Carroll, but look, I, and just to, to bring it back to Pete Carroll too, I mean, this guy's had a hell of a run. And oh, like unbelievable. Unbelievable run. He's turned this team over multiple times. He's successfully, I think, changed the team identity several times. And like when really everybody want, was ready to write off Pete Carroll, like, I mean, it's it's crazy the the national sentiment on like Russell Wilson right now versus when the discussions about Pete Carroll versus Russell Wilson at the end of that Seattle time, like ninety nine point nine percent of people were on Russell Wilson's side incorrectly <laughs> during that whole thing. Incorrectly, um, dude, totally, in, very incorrectly oh on God. Russell Wilson's side there. Um, but you know that that's still a credit like one last card in, in Pete's cap that he was able to, you know, kind of transition the team out of there. But I do think they got stuck this year. The, 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 this team got stuck at like, we, we criticized Jacksonville for, for this, right. Where they didn't, they didn't get any better from 2022 to 2023. I think actually you could argue that Jacksonville oh, even got, got a little worse. bit worse. Oh, way but worse. Yeah. Seattle certainly did not get any better. They were in the exact same position position that they were in last year, literally down to the fact that, we are hoping and praying that the, the Packers blow it against a division rival to let us <laughs> fall ass backwards into the playoffs, which is cute uh-huh. when it's like the year one with Geno Smith and all that. Then, then in year two, though, there's expectations. You've added players, and it just didn't come together. And I don't think this was a very um, – I don't think it was a well-coached team this year. You know, mm. I like there was a lot of – like offensively especially, there was a lot of mistakes. Um, there was a lot of like – receivers running routes in the same area there was a lot of like kind of lack of details at the position offensively um they you know p- young players regressed and got worse from year one to year two i mean Tariq woolen was like a a foundational piece it looked like right. and then this is a guy that they were pulling on and off the field right in year two and, and he dealt with injuries as well but still even just like they were kind of not as enthusiastic about him so i think that's probably what ultimately undid pete carroll is that like especially the defensive side of the ball. Like, I think we do jump the shark sometimes talking about coaches. Like, you know, I've heard from some Titans fans like, yeah, well, Mike Vrabel's defensive coach and the defense has stunk the last year. It's like, okay, well, we, we don't need to judge a guy just on his side of the ball, right? Like, that's not how we do this here. But that is definitely a thing that has been problematic for Pete Carroll. Like, when 
the league moved on defensively from what he was doing. Yeah. And like when he was the, 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 like his philosophy and his scheme was kind of the central guiding point when all of these Shanahan coaches showed that they could beat that. He struggled to move on from that defensive uh, philosophy. And then when he did try to move on from it into more of like a Fangio style too you know, high type of stuff. Sean Desai comes on the staff, everything like that. It was a disaster, honestly, the right. last two years. That defense is really bad. So I think that's ultimately what undid Pete Carroll. Although, again, like I said, hell of a run, all-time run, and just one of my favorite coaches, I think, during my time, like, uh, you know, paying attention and, and covering the league and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think that's ultimately what undid him here. I don't know about, you know, the X's and O's and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we know that cover, his cover three defense was uh, – getting brutalized <laughs> but a, a, a big part of that was just did he have the guys did he have the right guys in that spot right same thing you could say the exact same thing about Mike Vrabel uh there in Tennessee his secondary play was just so bad but he did get I thought a lot out of his front seven right mm-hmm. so uh, more than I think anyone would anticipate now Pete Carroll's a, a, a cornerbacks guy you know he's a secondary dude you know like he's able to coach these guys up um, so <clears throat> can did he have the right guys in place to make that happen it certainly felt like they were moving in the right direction with Reek Woolen there um, we're, we're not sure but how attractive is this Seattle job, right? Geno's entering his age 34 season next year. Lockett's going to be 32 years old next year. Um, I don't think the defense is in great shape. It's certainly not in good shape. It's one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. But I would say they've got two interesting pieces there in Reek Woolen and Leonard Williams. Um, offensively, DK's in his prime, JSN, super intriguing prospect, and they've got two good young backs, uh, maybe not great, but good young backs in Kenneth Walker and, um, and Charbonnet, right? So there are pieces there. It's not like the Carolina Panthers that are just completely bereft (laughs) of talent, right? Like Seattle has some pieces there that could be molded, I think, into a, a pretty good team, but... The quarterback is getting pretty old. Tyler Lockett, a foundational piece for them for so many years, is also getting a little longer in the tooth. I don't know. How attractive is this Seattle job? This is a really tough one. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Um, they're also not like flush with cap space either. Currently, right now, they have just about one point three million dollars in twenty twenty four cap space. Yeah, not um, good. Bottom I ten that's in the why, NFL. Yeah, I think that's why they'll have a conversation about like guys like Tyler Lockett. Like, do we want to pay Tyler Lockett twenty million dollars a year when I think he's certainly I mean, look. I love Tyler Lockett. You guys all know I love Tyler Lockett, but I think he's clearly. Um, 
entering in the back, entering the back nine of his career. And yep. I mean, he's another guy that, like, he is. He, I mean, he's he's probably one of the few like found. I mean, well, Bobby Wagner is still on this team, which <laughs> I don't know that Bobby Wagner is going to be on this team next year, right? Um, like, but in terms of the like long-standing guys that have been around the Seahawks during the Pete Carroll years, forever, forever, forever. Um, Lockett's probably one of the few that that's left. Um, so I think he will, there will be a conversation about Tyler Lockett this year for sure. Um, they, they got to make up cap space somehow. They're not like flushed with resources. They just traded a second round pick this year to get Leonard Williams. And mm -hmm. that did not save their defense. Like that was, I, I honestly wonder if that was one of the things that, um, that, 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 that ownership kind of took, um, Pete Carroll to task on in, in these meetings. Like, did you really think like you were that close that, oh, let's trade a second round pick for Leonard Williams, who's a good player, but a guy on an expensive contract. And I mean, it's not like you were picking up Aaron Donald at the trade deadline and this is just going right. to launch you into the stratosphere. Or even it's not even like what the San Francisco 49ers did or the Bears did where they're trading for a guy who's squarely like, like edge rushers that are young and, you know entering their second contracts like Leonard Williams is an older player so and and I mean, that's what you get by by the way going, going back to that so they make that trade a, a big trade for Leonard Williams I, and it just again go back to the Jamal Adams trade too right uh, huge yeah. trade there that absolutely uh blew up in their face and that's what you get by the way and uh, look this is probably another again it, I think this these two conversations this one and the Tennessee conversation are actually pretty similar because it all comes down to like who do you want being the sun and and the moon like they're well they're really the sun the center of your universe the thing that everybody everything orbits around in an organization if it's a head coach you do shit like trade a second round pick for Leonard Williams because you're like my defense is struggling but my defense has to get better right right now okay we got to get better right this second and uh, what can we do uh, John let's call up New York they're they're probably selling players <laughs> off let's get New York on the blower and let's make sure we get ourselves uh -huh. a Leonard Williams right so somebody on the interior oh and by the way their defense is one of the worst in the NFL over the last month of the season so like again it was a total failure when a lot of times when you get ahead coach that has the final say and is the is that central gravitational force this is the type of stuff you get and look it works when you're Kyle Shanahan you're in San Francisco and you're you're doing this stuff every single year you're always buyers at the trade deadline because you ultimately swing the the sword in that front office and and it's working for them right now they have not had to pay the pay a price for that because they acquired Christian McCaffrey and that was a great trade and the Chase Young trade's pretty good so far but yeah this is the type of stuff that when you have a head coach being the the final decision maker and and the biggest the biggest swinger in your front office this is the type of stuff that you get and I think that that probably does drive ownership a little crazy Man, I tell you, you talk, you throw Pete Carroll into the mix, and I know he's got this quote unquote advisory role. You know, I I put this out on Twitter, and it's like, oh, the guy hasn't left the organization. I'm like, listen, man, if you li if you listen to Pete Carroll after, um, you know, his last game there in Week 18, if you're telling me that the if the right job didn't come up. And they threw the freaking bag at it. Like they backed up the Brinks truck for Pete Carroll. You're telling me he wouldn't leave this BS advisory role? I mean, come on. He's leaving the BS advisory role. Because <laughs> this man is not. I, I, I personally do not believe watching his comments and watching him coach this year. I 
cannot believe that fire has been put out that quickly. It just doesn't make sense, right? Like, this guy needs to be chomping gum on the sidelines, man, pacing, getting his 10,000 steps per game, bro. Like, he's not I – I personally don't think he's done. To, to the point that you're making mm-hmm. that, hey, listen, he's, he's you know, okay, he, didn't, he wants to coach the Seahawks. But if he's not going to do that, he could be, you know, with the organization somehow. There's a lot to that. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot to that. That's why I'm saying the exact right situation has to come up for him. And again, they do have to back up the truck to go get the services of Pete Carroll. I'm just saying the door is not closed. You know what I mean? Like when Bill Cowher left the Steelers, he was done, man. Like he was burned out. He just wanted to chill out. Be a Nobody knew it. That, I mean, I remember they you know, following the Panthers growing up. Like they were trying to make him the Panthers coach every year. Nobody knew it, but like right. he, he was, was done. Like, oh, he you know he has a house in Charlotte. He's got a house <laughs> in the Carolinas, baby. So maybe he's a pan- but like yeah, they, Bill Cowher was a talking point for like fifteen years before. Good, good point. Let it go. Great point. Great point. And he always said no because he was done. I I just to me I don't feel like that's not Pete Carroll to me, man. Um, anyways, but, um, yeah, Pete Carroll definitely struck me as a guy that was going to have to die on the sideline. Like not oh, to be, yeah. <laughs> not to be crude about it, but like, I mean, you're going to literally have to like drag him kicking and screaming, um, yeah. off of the sideline. Hey, let, so, okay. Let's have, let's have a thought experiment because yeah, I yeah. think if you are, if you're Pete Carroll, I'm with you that the right opportunity would have to present itself for him to leave this advisory role. And it has to be like a short term I mean, again, he's 72 years old. Like I said, I, I thought he was just going to, you know, he's, again, he's just going to die on the sideline as a damn, uh, as a damn Seahawks coach. That's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen. But if he still has that fire, he still wants to coach, he still is, is, is beaten for it. Um, it's got to be like, a, hey, I'm trying to win one more ring in the next three years, something like that, before I turn 75 and, like, I really just want to live out the rest of my days, right. you know. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in bliss, baby, because I'm Pete Carroll. <laughs> I've made a lot of money doing this stuff, and I'm I'm one, right. of, the, one of the greatest right. to ever do it. To me, that does sound like Chargers, right? Um, yes. If uh, of, of all of these, like, okay, you're not Pete Carroll, and you're not going to the damn Panthers or the damn Titans, nope. or even, like, the, the Falcons or the Commanders. Like, there's a lot of exciting stuff about the Commanders. I talked about it on the last show. I, I, if I was, like, a young coach and I wanted to make – like I wanted to make my hay, right? Like make my name. I would be chomping at the bit to get that commander's job, but not if I'm for sure. Carol. Okay. And not, no thanks. But the chargers job is definitely like, Hey, Justin Herbert's there. Yep. If you're, if you're the Spanos family, um, you, you could definitely say like, man, this guy's going to come in and he's going to build, he's going to, he's going to build us a culture. Right. And like, if he can get a couple of assistants to come in here that he can pass the, he can really do the Bruce Arians thing and like pass yeah, yeah, the yeah. baton to, right. I think that'd be exciting. But James Coe, you let's say you are the Chargers ownership. Um, you you are definitely not as cheap as as the Chargers ownership. So let's say it's you. Uh, <laughs> you're 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 the owner of the LA Chargers. Uh-huh. You're willing to shell out big bucks for like a legendary head coach. You can pick Bill Belichick. You could pick Pete Carroll. The old guys, like the old guard. You know, kind of cut from the same cloth, right? Yep. Defensive head coaches that it seems like things just went stale at their last spot. Between the two, who would you rather have? Yeah, see, I would rather have Pete because um, because I, I know I talked about in this last podcast, and, and it seems like kind of a silly thing to talk about, but you know, Bill Belichick's an East Coast guy. 
Pete Carroll, my guy, dude, my dude is West an absolute Co- yeah. West Coast dude, man. You know, <laughs> like uh, I love the fact that, you know, obviously he's got the ties with L.A. with the, the whole USC thing, you know, and he's just been on the West Coast for 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 the vast majority of his career. Right. So, um, no, nah, give it go ahead and, and, and give me Pete Carroll. Give me that fire. And again, you want somebody who is like nice with the media can play nice with the media like oh, the media yeah. will love this guy you know they loved him at usc oh my god they'll eat it up they'll eat it up so no he'd be great i think he'd be a great fit can i throw one more name out there that we have not talked about on on the on our podcast yet how about jim harbaugh like that's a name yeah. that is again out there like Will he be back with Michigan with that, you know, with, with the investigation going on? I mean, no. certainly his post-game comments sounded like he might, uh, you know, he's very interested, I think, in coming back to the NFL. But again, he's another guy that, that it's going to take the right offer, uh, the right situation. And I do wonder if the Chargers are, are, are that situation for him, too. Yeah, uh, Jim was throwing up the middle finger at the NCAA on the way out, baby. He, he's out of there. Uh, like, I think if he – now, I think Jim Harbaugh thought he was going to moonwalk into the Vikings head coaching job. I, like, I really want to know what happened in that Vikings building last year because it, by all reports, he walked in there like, I'm Jim Harbaugh, baby. I got this job if I want. And they're like – or not last year. Was it was a couple – couple years ago uh right. like and you're like no 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 no. We're, we're all set on the jim harbaugh stuff thanks we're actually going to go with kevin o'connell which is a great decision by the way totally. uh, i love kevin o'connell i think he's a really good coach but um yeah i, I mean jim harbaugh is definitely interesting he's another guy that <laughs> certainly sounds like he rubs people the wrong way like he oh, he's like obviously oh <laughs> uh, yeah obviously like obviously. he's a burn it, it's gonna burn fast and it's gonna burn bright but like it's gonna burn you out with jim totally. harbaugh if he's your head coach but i do think the the I think the personality part of this is 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 a, is a good point by you with like the Pete Carroll thing. He's going to be great with the media. He's going to give you star power. Like I think Bill Belichick gives you like legitimacy and like legacy power. But I don't know that he. I mean, he definitely does not want to be. By all accounts, does not want to be a star. Right? Does not want to be the center yeah. of attention. I don't know that Pete wants to be the center of attention. I definitely think Jim Harbaugh kind of sort of wants to be the. Center oh, he of needs attention, it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs it. Needs it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I'm definitely intrigued, though. Um, like, honestly, if you think about the way the league is going, um, like the importance of of running the football and and like establishing that part of your offense, and like, oh, cute, you're going to play all this soft, too high coverage against us to try to take take away the deep ball, where we're going to go back to you know 1990 and like pound the rock on your ass, and like that's yep. definitely Jim Harbaugh. That's what he was doing in hundred percent. He's been doing and doing with Michigan. Like, I think he would. Um, he's definitely somebody that I would be willing to like take the risk with and like take the toxic plunge. Um, I think 100%. Mark Davis in Las Vegas is gonna is thinking the same thing. By the way, like I think this is the big. As much as I think Antonio Pierce did a great job and like those players love him and mm-hmm. um, you know he, he I think he did enough to sort of kind of get you to eschew the. Um, the risks of the of falling into the trap of hiring the interim coach that that gives you a little something. Um, I do think it matters that the players in that locker room love him so much. At the same time, though, I, if I'm Mark Davis, I'm definitely thinking like I'm in Las Vegas. I'm I need a star. Like, can Jim Harbaugh be that? Maybe now they're thinking <laughs> Pete Carroll can be that. But yeah, I I, I think if I'm um, if I'm if I'm L.A., I, I mean I'm doing what I can to get Jim Harbaugh there working with uh, Justin Herbert for sure. 
Well, and, and you know, by the way, you saw, talk about um, needing to be a little bit of a star, need to be a little bit of a diva out front. It's perfect working with Justin Herbert, right? Because Herbert doesn't oh, want to yeah. be that guy. Great point. Herbert does not want to be that guy. You know, he's like, yo, let my coach do all the crazy interviews. Let him just be, you know, Jim Harbaugh. It's all good, you know? Oh, and, yeah. and, and Harbaugh is going to love working with him because, like, I mean, I, I know I know Justin Herbert, not, not we're not buddies or anything, but like I've spent some time with him and like obviously know him through Austin, like get his personality yeah. and stuff like that. Like he is definitely a guy that like wants to do the right thing. I think almost to a fault. Extremely sometimes. coachable. Yeah. Ex- yeah, almost to a fault sometimes where sure. like he needs a coach that's gonna like be like, Hey Justin, like stop stop getting to the checkdowns of Austin Eckler so quickly and like let's let this thing rip like let's let's get this downfield and that was a big problem especially in the Joe Lombardi offense because that offense is so focused on quick game and it's like we're we're keeping the we're taking the Ferrari around the block man yeah, like, let's yeah, get yeah. this thing rolling here um I, I think Jim Harbaugh would definitely um push Justin Herbert, maybe more than like a Joe Lombardi or a Kellen Moore or Brandon Staley certainly did. Um, and I wonder, I you know, sometimes that can go the wrong way when you've got one guy that's such a big personality and so pushy and then the other guy who's like kind of – I always come back to the quote like that he said on our podcast, outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. He's just really about ball, and he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to run the plays as they're designed type of stuff. Yep. I could see how that would be a little like, again, after a while, that's going to get old. But for like two, three years, that might be exactly what Justin Herbert needs. I totally agree. And again, and again it just resets the culture there too, by the way. You know, it's, it's, a, it's such a culture trendsetter right there. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Okay, we we've got Mike Vrabel got fired. Um, you know, uh, Pete Carroll got you know uh, let go or moved into a different role or whatever. Okay, so now we've got seven head coaching vacancies. I want you to rank them, Matt Harmon. All right, you've got the Panthers, um, you've got the Titans, you got the Raiders, Chargers, Falcons, Commanders, and now shockingly, all of a sudden, you got the Seahawks as well. Uh, let me let me lay so I'll let you kind of sort of ruminate on that. Let me give some of the the background info uh, of what makes these jobs attractive or not attractive. Okay, Panthers. I think we can confidently say this is the least attractive because oh uh, yeah, they're last. We can start. La- it's we can start. <laughs> I don't need to ruminate any nope. longer on the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, of one worst, to seven, they are the worst. the worst. You can add anybody else. <laughs> you could fire any other coach tomorrow, and they're still the worst job. Oh. Oh my goodness yes uh no it's real it's real bad um uh, obviously they've got uh uh, uh the tepper thing they've got <clears throat> bryce young who they're stuck with for a long time and they've got absolutely nothing on offense okay they're 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 the worst okay that's fine uh the titans uh they've got will levis is he the guy derrick henry's moving on do you think ty J. spears is a full-time back is nuke gonna be back with this team they do have tons of cap space though fourth most uh going into 2024 Per over the cap, the Raiders are there. We talked about they've got a very interesting offense, man. Devonte, Jacoby, uh, Josh Jacobs, a good backup in Zamir White, and they've got the tenth most cap space per OTC. The Chargers, foundational quarterback in Justin Herbert, but man, other than that, I don't know what they got, man. Horrendous yeah. cap space situation. There's going to be a ton of turnover. Uh, it, you know, again, is Keenan Allen back? I, I don't think so. Not with their not with their cap space situation. I don't know. Uh, going to be a tough, uh, tough ask from a skill position player for the Chargers. The Falcons, 
Interesting spot here, man. They need a quarterback, but they've got top 10 picks at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Interesting offensive pieces for the Atlanta Falcons. We talked about the Seahawks and then the Commanders. Again, they need a quarterback too. Our guy Matt Harmon says this is a great spot. I agree with him. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, good, good pieces. Not a, no, 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 just superstars anywhere, but you've got really good pieces. And man, they've got one of the top picks and they've got tons of cap space the most going to 2024 per over the cap. So ton of cap space, high draft pick. You've got skill position players. Boy, that's a really interesting spot there in Washington, but rank them. So we've got Panthers last. Who's the second least desirable of those seven? Hmm. By the way, on the commanders too, they also have multiple second round picks and multiple third round picks because they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. So they're right. flush with resources and right, right, uh, right. Yeah. So obviously number seven is the Panthers. That job stinks. Unless unless you want to get paid not to work, which who doesn't want to get paid not to work? Because that's eventually what's gonna to happen to you. You're gonna get fired within two years and you know, you're nobody wants that job. <laughs> I don't know. Um these are the uh, let me first I will I will rank them. You will put me in a box here and I will rank them. But before I am put in a box, let me just do my typical caveat <laughs> stuff like okay, we do good. when we're ranking receivers. Like it kind of <laughs> depends on what you want here. It depends on your flavor, right? Like we it, I would say it's really hard to compare um, you know, like a big power slot receiver to like an X receiver, right? These are these are two very different assignments and very different roles. Like, what do you want out of out of your receiver? What does your receiver room need? I think if you are um like I said, a young upstart coach, Washington is going to be much more appealing to you than uh, than than it would be to a a damn Jim Harbaugh or a damn uh, Pete Carroll, right? Of certainly Bill Belichick. I, I think there's just different priorities for different coach. But just that, with that out of the way, before I get you know destroyed by anybody here for saying their team is a bad job, I think the sixth most appealing job here is probably the Titans. Um, for one, I think you have to go into ownership and um, it's not like David Tepper bad. Um, and I don't, I don't even know that like Amy Adams drunk is a bad owner necessarily, but this Vrabel stuff. And you know, when, when the statement was put out yesterday, when he was um, let go, uh, you know, and, and she mentioned like collaborative and cooperative yeah. relationships and stuff like that, that obviously like, immediately rang alarm bells with me and like I did a little digging on this stuff and talked to people like and basically everybody says like what happened there was that by the end of the season there was two clear camps okay there was like the Mike Vrabel camp and then there was like the Rand Carthon camp you know right and, and this is what happens when you like when you don't hire these guys in togetherness right and and it's it's you're not on the same page like when you don't say hey Mike Vrabel like who do you want to be the GM? Instead, you just go out and make the decision on your own. And I don't even think that maybe Rand Carthon ends up being a good GM, but it's just that you're walking into that as a head coach. Like that's already kind of like on your radar that this happened with the last head coach. And maybe not everybody's Mike Vrabel and like needs that power, but regardless, it, it still is on my radar a little bit. And, you know, are you tied to Will Levis? I think that's fine if you're tied to Will Levis, but You've got a big rebuilding job on the offensive line. You've got a big real re rebuilding job on the offensive skill position uh, group there. And you got just a big rebuilding job on the defense. So it's like you have a lot of work to do. And you don't even know if like Will Levis is the guy. So I think the Titans yeah. are sixth. 
This is where it gets a little trickier. I kind of think the Seahawks are the fifth team here um, for me because, it, like we said, they don't have a ton of resources. They don't have a ton of draft equity. They're kind of stuck in purgatory a little bit, which means maybe you could come in there and immediately install a great offense and, like, DK's having a good year and, like, JSN, you're getting him a breakout season. You're getting some stuff out of Geno, but still – that's a risky one to me, and there's a lot of work to do on that off that roster. That roster is not that good. Um, it's fine, but it's not that good. I think four for me is going to be the Raiders. Um, again, another one where you've got ownership questions after he's tried to hit big with his last two hires right. and has struck out <laughs> epically. <laughs> also, it's on my radar, too, that... Um, it's 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 oh on my radar my too that uh mark davis apparently I was, I was hearing this that he still like loves john gruden and like kind of wants to kind of wouldn't mind like if gruden was the head coach of this team again i don't think that's gonna happen but like buddy move on like you how have you not moved on from this already i get it that like you were probably right on the precipice of it working with gruden they end up going to the playoffs that year yeah, like, yeah working yeah, yeah, yeah. as much as it was going to work with gruden but like how right. have you not mentally moved on from that era like we that that for all the cancel culture people out there like that is that would have been the ultimate cancel culture thing where like you get you get fired or forced to resign or whatever and then yeah. you're just back in the job in three years that would no actually problems. be pretty perfect, but no problems. <laughs> no problems. I was can- yeah. I was canceled so hard that I sued the NFL and probably got a lot of money out of it. Uh, anyways, yes. I think I think the Raiders are fourth here. Um, there are obviously pieces on the team: Devontae, yeah. Jacoby, um, Josh Jacobs. Kinda, but yeah, Jacobs is a free agent. I don't know if he's going to be back. Zemir sure. White had a nice little you know something there. Max Crosby, like that, they did get a lot out of that defense. I think if you are a win now coach, it might be maybe a little appealing. But how do you figure out quarterback? Yeah, that's the big problem for me. Is is what what are we doing with quarterback here? Do you right. go, do you and, go and make a move for Jake Browning if you're the Raiders? No, no. no? You just no. stink it up, stink up the joint, no. and just get a high draft pick. Yeah, Jake Browning is a backup quarterback. I don't I don't think that's like a real solution. I mean, he's like a he's a fine backup quarterback. Uh, he's an he's exclusive rights free agent. He's not going to leave. Cincinnati anyways unless you're trading a draft pick for Jake Browning and then like you might as well fire yourself right that right then and there <laughs> come on come on Wait, hold on hold on now Jake Browning is one of the 30 best quarterbacks in the NFL I don't know about that come on uh, he's I mean, one of the 30, 30 best 30 best quarterbacks in the I'm not saying he's great uh but he's one of the 30 he's deserves to be a low level starter in this league now if you buy that I'm not saying you have to, but if you do buy that thought, if you agree with me that Jake Browning is a top 30 quarterback in this league, trading a third round pick for a starting level quarterback is not that bad. <laughs> I think that's insane. I think that's insane. All right. Okay. All right. I'd rather just, I'd rather, I mean, I, you know how I feel about Russell Wilson. I'd rather just let it rock with Russ for a year, like sign him to some dirt cheap contract. Oh man, is Russell Wilson is are they going to make a move for Russell Wilson? Oh my god, wow! They they do strike me as a good Fields team. Um, the the Raiders do, but again, yeah, I mean, and then I think you could have something there. Actually, I think if Antonio Pierce is brought back there, that should be like one of the the first calls. You know, they want to run the ball and all that stuff, and they did. You know, Patrick Graham, they actually blocked him from interviewing for other places. Um, 
you know, he was a defensive coordinator there, did, did a lot with a little this year. Um, but yeah, that, that one I, I think is squarely, I mean, it's right in the middle here for me. I think it could go either way. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think that I don't have a lot of conviction, but I think that should go there. The top three is really tough because this is where it's just so different between the Chargers because you have like, I mean, I'm going to sit here and tell you that, wow, the commander's job is so great because you have an instant path to a quarterback and you have all of these resources. Where on the other hand, it's like, you, you maybe have a path. You have a path to maybe a quarterback. You have a path to, to getting a guy. But, like, in L.A., you have the guy. You got one. You, yeah, you, you got already one. got yeah, one got of those one. guys. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. regardless of what, like, you know, brain dead, like, where does Justin Herbert rank in the NFL? Like, I think if you if you don't say he's a good quarterback, you might as well just, I mean, just move to planet Mars. You're not living yeah, in reality right. with the rest of us. He's a great right. quarterback, like clearly a top 10 player of the position, yep. and that's being ultra conservative. So um, I, I think that the Chargers, though, I think I'm still going to put them. The cap space situation put, makes it tough, yeah. dude. They are in cap space hell. Uh, and that, and I think that makes it really, really difficult because again, you've got Herbert and I don't know what else you got. They're not bringing Eckler back. Um, no. Eckler's going to be gone. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on with Keenan Allen. May, that's to me a coin flip, maybe 50, 50, but unless, they're, they're probably going to ask him to restructure. If he doesn't want to restructure, he's gone. Um, uh, Mike Williams coming back from a major injury again. He's he's so gone. I mean, he's de- of the two of them. He is definitely definitely. Gone, I yeah, I would Williams. agree with that. Right. So uh, again, you've got Herbert and, and not a lot, not a and lot. Whatever receiver they're taking, they pick fifth or sixth. Whatever they're taking, they almost have to take a receiver or an offensive tackle there. And by the way, as much as we think their receiver room is a mess, and it is a mess. Their offensive line is is a mess. Um, you know, Zion Williamson's been kind of hit or hit or miss. Uh, is the as the uh, the right guard there? I mean, Zion Johnson, not Zion Williamson. He's uh, yeah. That he's would be the uh, he, although he's big enough to play um, gonna, guard. <laughs> he's, he's big enough to play guard now, dude. <laughs> when when I was, when I when I slipped it, I thought I was like, Damn. well, you know, maybe they ought to call him up and play right tackle. Yeah. They could use they could use somebody protecting the edge there. Um, <laughs> My, my guy Zion, <laughs> he's a cheeseburger away from playing tackle in the NFL, bro. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> so maybe that's – you've got to get creative with this cap strategy stuff, so uh, maybe that's an option. But, no, I think that their, their, their offensive lines – you know, Corey Lindsley's retiring. Uh, he said he's 99% retiring because he had a heart yeah. issue pop up this year, which sucks because he's a great center. And, you know, he's not going to be back. That was an issue for them this year. Like that's a, that's the thing. It's like okay, we're gonna have Justin Herbert, but what are we gonna do around Justin Herbert? That's a huge problem. And then that's not even touching the defense. Also, by the way, I don't always sit here and say like you should think about who's in your division when you're taking a job. But this is an instance where you might want to think about who's in the division <laughs> when you're taking a job because you are just gonna be slamming your head against a wall for you know the next ten years. Yeah, trying going to up beat against the Mahomes. Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, this was the year to do it, and nobody could do it uh, because if you have like a bad year, like all these teams basically did. I mean, the Raiders fired their coach midseason, um, and they were Broncos probably figuring the best. out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos. I don't. I don't even know what to say. You see, Sean Payton says he needs to get like he needs to get correct his eyes. 
because he called like the wrong play or something oh, a couple God. times this year. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> why, why are we talking about this? Jesus. Why, why even bring that up, dude? Why, hey, why the, bring the, it up yourself? Nobody yeah, I know. Why bring it up? Who kid? No, no one cares. Uh, and then on top of that, the, the fact that this team is uh, like legitimately trying to drum up trade market for Russell Wilson by saying, Oh, we're not sure uh, what the future plans are for, for Russell Wilson guys. Guys, stop trying to drum up a fake trade market. Nobody's going to trade for yeah. you for tr- for Russell Wilson. Stop it, you know? I mean, it, it's just the most obvious thing in the whole world that they're, they're like, uh, we haven't actually made a final decision on Russell Wilson, everyone. So if you want him, you're going to have to, like, come with an offer. It's like, dude, the Raiders tried that last year with Derek Carr, man. It just failed miserably miserably stop yeah. it you can't bench you can't bench the guy and say like well maybe he can come back no no doesn't <laughs> no, work like no, that no, no. um the exact quote from sean payton was uh i want to get my eyes fixed so i call the right play and i don't mess up and call the wrong play on a play that happened one time this year that was embarrassing oh my god why <laughs> so that's where so that's where the broncos are at um oh, but okay. <clears throat> you're still you're still competing with the chiefs so i think you I'm gonna are put the are. chargers I think I'm gonna put the Chargers third because yeah, you have Justin Herbert, but you have a lot of other questions there. Um, and uh, you know, it's still an owner. That's an ownership question too. Like I think yeah. the Spanos family has gotten there. They still have a bad reputation in the league for being cheap. Cheap, uh, but they yep. did just build build a big ass new new team facility in um, my old stomping grounds, right by my old stomping grounds in El Segundo. There, so uh, shout out to them for that. Um, I know Austin was super excited about that, and now he's never gonna get, never gonna get to go there. Um, anyways, uh, so for the top two here for me, it's Falcons and Commanders. I think I think the Commanders are the most appealing job. I agree, I agree. Uh, again, it's it's the cap space, it's the veterans on the team on the offensive side of the football. They need to completely rebuild the the secondary, but they have some pieces in the front seven. Um, again, the cap space, the high draft picks, a ton of draft picks, as a matter of fact. This is a team that if they get the right guy, and that's why I'm saying it's it's interesting. Like, it, Actually, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I actually want to go here. Mostly hmm. because, first of all, I think Josh Harris would be more than happy to just crank it out, huge paychecks. Um, and and, yeah, and and give him some power too, you know. Like I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like the power structure is quite as set in Washington um, as it is, you know, uh, in some of these other spots. So if the, if Jim wanted to have a little bit of say in the front office stuff too, uh, I think this is a good spot for him. So he, I don't know. He, spoiler alert: He does. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I actually think this would be a good spot, but no, I, I agree with you. They're they're they obviously are a quarterback away. Uh luckily they are in a position to take a quarterback. So maybe that that position gets um you know kind of sort of filled out quite nicely. And then again, they could just kind of sort of make a couple moves. Uh they're gonna have to overpay, I think, a little bit to try to rebuild that secondary, but I think they're pretty close, dude. They they could be very close. In in a division that is historically one of the most you know topsy turvy in the NFL. Yeah, and look, I know I'm sure people are screaming at me like, "What are you talking about? The Commanders are the most appealing job." Like you idiot, they're you know they were terrible this last year. Just think about the Texans. It's very very similar, I think, to the to, to the Texans last year. You're right. And I mean, they're two they're two like 
to say they are downtrodden franchises, not the current Texans, but think of the Texans like this time last year, to say they were a downtrodden franchise, to say that the Washington Commanders are a downtrodden franchise, like doesn't do it justice. I think there's <laughs> probably like <laughs> no two teams have been more in like off field drama hell more recently than uh, than the Texans and the Commanders. I mean, yeah. the, the Commanders owner was like being subpoenaed to Congress recently. Like that's where they were at. Okay, so yeah, they're in yeah, they're yeah. in a dark place. New owner now. New um, culture, man. The culture definitely feels different. It feels way different. And like Ron Rivera and the boys deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, oh, they, sure. they 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 did help that. And like honestly, I mean, even Rivera said towards the end of his time there that like I. I feel like I barely didn't even get to coach much uh, while I was here because oh, he was doing so Jeez. many other things. You know, whether he was like basically <laughs> acting explains as a the lot, owner. Actually, he, well, yeah, it really does. Um, it really, really does. But now you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to play like part-time owner, part-time PR person, like part-time. Yeah. Um, right. Just go in there and I coach, just, baby. Just go in there and coach. Um, and yeah, I think actually you're you're right about a guy like Harbaugh because. Like I, I keep saying this job is such a blank slate and like why wouldn't he want, you know, to have a full blank slate that he can just make in his image and you have instant access to like a potential franchise changing figure. And like what CJ Stroud just showed us with the Texans and, and D'Amico Ryan's too, like what these guys like when you nail the coach and the culture and then you nail the quarterback, like you can go from zero to sixty really, really fast. And like the Texans certainly do not have everything else figured out you know no. like they had they had like a gum and toothpicks offensive line at times this year like their defense wasn't always great but by the end of the year I mean it's not like as good as those 49ers units under D'Amico Ryans but they play like those units they play hard they play physical Flying like around. D'Amico yep. has so much energy and that bleeds into it um from that side of the ball and then obviously just like what CJ Stroud is doing it's like well yep that's how you get good really quick. You get one of those guys. And like if Drake may is one of those guys. And I mean, people really, really like Drake may, then they can be the Washington commanders can be good really quickly. And, and you have guys to work with in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Like, I mean, I, I would, there's no way I would trade one of those guys if I was bringing no. in uh you know, and I, there are definitely Terry McLaurin trade rumors, but I mean, I think if you want to have a, if you want to have a guy come in there real quick and get off the map, like or get get rolling right away, I think I would love to have a guy like Terry McLaurin. So yeah, they're to me. I think they actually fit the best of both worlds. If you're like a, if you're a coach looking for, um, like you're a veteran coach looking to to win pretty quickly because you can just throw a lot of resources around. I think you're gonna have an ownership group that wants to throw resources around, and you can sort of say like, hey, if we weren't good in 2024, like, no kidding, we weren't good in 2024. We got a lot of rebuilding to do. But you also could be good right away. And I I think that's not the case with all of these other teams. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for the Falcons, like I said, interesting spot because they're a quarterback away from having a really – really interesting offense you know like I think we've seen enough tape on Bijan Robinson to say this guy is a like a legit superstar running back I think we've seen enough from Drake London to say yo this guy's got the potential to be a superstar wide receiver and Kyle Pitts is he exists so well uh, hey did you see Kyle Pitts posted on Instagram today that um I think yeah I think it was this morning he posted that like Grateful to play all 17 games after MCL and PCL surgery, um, and really? which we knew that, that there was from? an, yeah, right, right. So, um, at P, look, you could tell watching this guy this year that like 
he was not 100% healthy. That was I like, honestly dude, honestly I just thought it's because he wasn't getting the ball, which and I don't I don't blame him at all. You know, I, it's like, I, why would you be out there running a hundred percent for a guy that doesn't care about you or want to get you the ball ever? But and this maybe that's why they they can't get him the ball consistently because he's not a hundred percent, right? Yeah, 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 right. I mean, I, look, I'm not I'm definitely not here to do retroactive Arthur Smith defense, but I think that maybe like, <laughs> well, we can't we can't fully game plan around this guy because he's not fully Kyle Pitts right now. But yeah, I say all that to say. Um, Kyle Pitts saying that he wasn't 100% healthy last year it just it gives you a little more extra hope for that offense for sure and um, low key like the real Wolves will be drafting Kyle Pitts in fantasy again this year <laughs> like, if they can figure the quarterback position out I just I just want to start I don't want to I don't want to say it on my chest I just want to whisper it I want to just say it really quietly that like, oh, we might be drafting God. Kyle Pitts again okay oh, we're, we're back on the train baby <laughs> We're back. We're back. I mean, I I have been in my We're dynasty back. league and like I got right, no, this. I got nothing but hope, hopium, copium, whatever you want to call it. That's all I got to hang you on. Got to hopium right now. and copium, you know, just high on both. Oh, oh yeah. God. I mean, I I've dude, I've printed out that Instagram uh, picture, this caption. I've rolled it up and smoked it, man. I'm yeah. I'm addicted to the copium, baby. Like <laughs> that's all I got. Dude, come on, let's go. Oh my god, we're back on the train. Let's go. Get on that high. Still, still not gonna chart him for reception perception, though. So yeah, don't even come at baby. me with that. Add a baby. All right, no there you go. Uh great show today. Talking about these uh various coaching openings and vacancies, man. A surprise one from the Seattle Seahawks. Interesting stuff. Uh we've got coming on. The the NFL never stops. Even even for these teams that are eliminated from the postseason. It never stops, baby. Uh and that's what we love about the nfl you know it's great we didn't even get to some of these game picks my god we got playoffs coming on saturday sunday yeah. monday golly we've been talking about so much stuff here uh anyways um hit us up on the discord hit us up on twitter for matt Harmon. i'm james co peace and remember it's never too late to chase your dreams